Are you buffering? Yeah, I'm buffering. Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, songs, shows, and series. Wait, nope. Best series, some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm one dude, Parker. I'm due to Jeff. And this week, we are talking about 2022's Matilda the Musical. But first, Jeff, what have you been streaming? Oh, wow. That is a good question. You know, you ask this question every week, so I'm not sure why it still catches me off guard. <laughs> but anyway, that's one thing that won't change in 2023, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I know I haven't streamed a whole lot. Um, I mean, I'm sure we squeezed in a Christmas movie or two uh, since we last podcasted, but uh, I don't remember anything major of note. And, and actually, by the time this podcast airs, Nobody wants to hear about Christmas movies by then, so I've got nothing of value to add as far as uh, other streaming. But uh, but I'm sure you do. So let's let's hear what you, what you got on tap. I mean, honestly, like I've honestly just kind of been putting on YouTube in the background the past week, so I haven't been watching too much myself. Um, I've actually been you know playing a little bit more video games this past week. Just uh, I don't I've been in that mood. But I have been watching uh, this show called Made You Look, and it's just like a little docu-series about this fake art that was bought and uh, a scandal behind it. And it's been pretty interesting. I haven't finished it yet, but that's that's pretty much the only thing I've been streaming, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you, man. Uh, been a busy week, but yeah. Um well, it's actually cool you mentioned video games because uh, I actually played some here for the first time in quite some time. What have you been playing? Um, so my son has a Switch, and I think for Christmas he got some kind of, I don't know if it's just called Switch Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind, of, kind of reminded me of Wii Sports, I guess, because yeah. it's, it's uh, I guess, motion yeah sensor activated so you know it's got the bowling golf tennis and that kind of stuff um so we played that a good bit it was actually pretty fun it's good to play some games again and did a little bit of mario kart of course i do um, love mario kart can't turn on the switch without at least playing that a little bit yeah. so uh so yeah it was, it was pretty good the uh the show you mentioned made you look i guess no relation to uh megan trainer and uh her her hit song here lately that's all over tiktok i have not heard that one i don't know i'm not a huge megan trainer fan honestly man like she just never really did it for me uh but yeah i've, I've missed that one on tiktok too so maybe i'm just the algorithm does not serve me on that one <laughs> i do find that hard to believe because that song and there's a dance to it i mean i've i've not been able to avoid it at all so I'm thinking maybe you did see it and you just didn't relate it to the song that was being played and that it was from Megan Trainer. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I'll, I'll send I'll send you one later. And, okay. and if it's the first time you're hearing it, then we we may have to have an intervention because I, I would be highly concerned. No, I just I don't think I want that on my TikTok. Honestly, I, I kind of like my TikTok right the way it is right now. <laughs> I mean, 
it's, it's actually a, a fun song and you know cute dance and that kind of stuff so uh but i know sometimes you're not always into cute but uh <laughs> i don't yeah i don't really do the whole dancing on tiktok too much i like that's probably one of the reasons i don't so that could be it i'm not a, i don't really get on the the dancing side of tiktok very often yeah although this week's movie that we're doing could be classified yeah. as cute I'm sure some people will use that word. Yeah, and there's a lot of dancing involved as well. Exactly. But pro- no Megan Trainer that I'm aware of. But that's what yeah. I know. <laughs> All right. So is, what else can you tell me about this movie, Joe? Well, of course, anytime you're dealing with a new movie, you're not going to find a lot of interesting tidbits necessarily. And, you know, that's usually movies that have been around a while and you hear interviews from the cast. Um, all that kind of stuff. But one thing, I mean, this movie was actually announced like back in 2013. So mm-hmm. it, it took some time to really come together. Um, not sure what the delays were, but I mean, that's the way some movies work. It's just like the idea is pitched, it's accepted. And then whether it's scheduled with directors or whatever, it just it took a little while for it to come together. Um, it was filmed in Ireland, like pretty much during the pandemic. Uh, so that of course created some challenges. Um, as far as the actors, a relative newcomer that played Matilda, uh, Alicia Ware, Weir, mm-hmm. W-E, not sure how you pronounce that, W-E-I-R. I think it's Weir. I think it's Weir. Uh, but yeah, she's Irish, uh, you know, fit the part well. Uh, she is the youngest of three daughters. Her older two sisters are also in performing arts and theater. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's definitely in their family. Uh, this obviously her not her first role, but obviously her first major role. I would be shocked if we don't see more of her. Yeah. And of course, we'll, we'll get more into that later. Um, I, I mean, the cast was pretty phenomenal. We got Lashana Lynch, who played uh, Miss Jennifer Honey. Uh, the ever classic Emma Thompson as Mr., as Miss Trunch Trunchbull. Of course, we can do an entire podcast devoted to her and everything she's been in. She's just one of the classics in, you know, of our past few generations. Yeah. Um, but, uh, see, I didn't really come across a lot of interesting stuff yet. You probably know more as far as, I guess the first movie, mm-hmm. which I think was 1998. I think it was 96. Uh, 96. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was like already 20 by then. So I was kind of at the age where, I don't really have an attachment to the original movie. I was yeah. definitely familiar with it. I may have watched it. I may not have. I can't really remember. I, I know I remember scenes and clips. Uh, so I, I didn't really have an attachment to the original movie. So I actually kind of went into this one. Not sure where to put my expectations. Yeah. I, I can't say I was excited to watch it, but also wasn't like, man, really this one. I was definitely intrigued. So, you know, I was, I was definitely wanting to see it. Uh, or not that I really have a choice since we picked it to cover our yeah. podcast, but still. Uh, so I'd like to hear maybe what, how you went into it, because you were probably at the age where, especially your generation, probably has a much deeper attachment or appreciation for like the original film. Oh, for sure. I was probably like eight or nine when this movie came out and I loved it. You know, it was, it was very much like, a, like part of the kid power, you know, thing going around. And of course, this kid, you know, had telekinetic powers. So it was just, it was super cool. So I, you know, I was, I love that movie and I still I like, like that movie. It was, it had Danny DeVito in it, Rhea Perlman, um, 
they they played the Wormwoods, and it was just I don't know. It was it was very a surreal film because I mean Roald Dahl like he was he's the guy that it's based on a book originally like from 1988, and he was the same guy that wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach, and a lot of those kind of like dark children's book like darker themed children's books so you know it kind of has that that vibe going on that i just that i personally love because i always love that darker children's things like i always gravitated towards that like i was are you afraid of the dark kid i was a goosebumps kid i was that weird kid i was watching eerie indiana you know that kind of stuff so um this was right up my alley loved it uh I was excited about this because like I said, I love musicals and I love this movie enough that like, I don't really have the kind of attachment to where it's like, how could you do this? You know, cause it's not one of those things that I think, you know, like I'm like, Oh, it was done perfectly. So I love the film, the original film, but it wasn't necessarily something so special that I was like, Oh, this is going to ruin everything because the way that they honestly, like I they were two different spins on the story. Um, I feel like the original film kind of focused more on Matilda's home life, whereas this one focused more on like Matilda and the people that were surrounding her in general. Uh, so, I mean, it was, we can get into like a little bit more of like, you know, like the intricacies of it later on when I'm like, we get into like what I thought of it. But, you know, it, it was, it's been a musical, you know, like originally like a Broadway musical. So that's where this came from. That's what this is based on. That's where most of these songs uh, originated. So, um, I, I yeah. did read where the, the final song uh, was a new one they added just for the film. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they use a lot of the, the songs from the actual, you know, musical, uh, stage musical. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they did do a couple of one, I guess, new ones for the film. Well, I think it was just the one. And you know why they do that, don't they do that in, in the typicals of like remakes, like when they're doing like either stages, like stage production to film, or they do like, like for like the, the Disney ones where they do like one or two songs that are original for like the new remakes. You know why they do that, don't you? Do it's, tell. It's so that whenever the they um become for, I think it's like the Oscars. They can be um, up for best original song because oh, okay. until then they they can't be because they're they're not original to this to the film. Yeah, um, that's just a little bit of tidbit of one of the reasons they do that. But sometimes it's hit or miss. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it definitely kind of made me think of Annie meets Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As far as, uh, like you said, it's kind of like the kids versus the adults, uh, you know, the revolting type thing, which I, I've always loved that angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, was always a huge fan of Annie. Yeah. Um, pretty much every movie adaptation I've seen, I've seen on stage. I've just always loved that entire story um, and, and just the whole concept. I've really enjoyed it and like you said this one kind of followed that similar but like you said it kind of reminded me of of, of annie from that angle but then stranger things because yeah. of uh, matilda's abilities yeah i uh, kind of kind of remind me a little bit of 11 uh not as dark but <laughs> yeah uh, 
but yeah, they, they did a good job of kind of, and, and actually it was one of those where after I watched it, I was like, man, I would really love to see that on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, when I started doing research a little bit later, I was like, holy crap, this has already been on stage. I need to see, yeah. I'm kind of hoping since there's a lot of buzz around it now that maybe it will tr- travel again. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think it's first run on Broadway, maybe ended around 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um, so you would think with the movie coming out and as far as I can tell, it's been really well received that it would probably go out again and make another tour at some point. Um, so I, I would love to see this one on stage. Um, they could be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get in to see what I can remember because it's been over 24 hours since I've watched this one. I know you've watched it more recently. So I'm in for uh, a little bit of a, a struggle. But the good thing is, is that I've pretty much have the original one memorized by heart. So I do have a little bit of help there. But there is a lot of things different. So remembering those little details is going to be a little bit more tricky. Um, but I have plus seen this, I have seen this movie like two and a half times. So yeah, plus it's two hours long. So there's a lot of stuff they squeeze in there. There is, but with the musical numbers, that does pad out a lot. Um, so I mean, it's it's as far as the basic storyline, it's it's not too hard, I don't think. But um, we start out with our first little number, our musical number. It's a bunch of babies singing about how special they are, and then. We see Mrs. Wormwood. She's in the doctor's office. She's very visibly pregnant. She's trying to deny the fact that she's pregnant. She actually starts going into labor. And she has a little baby girl named Matilda. The father is shocked because he wanted a boy. He's in denial pretty much this whole baby's life. Uh, We cut to Matilda. She's grown up to a young lady. She's probably about five or six years old. She's very smart. She's hanging out at this traveling library with this woman named Mrs. Phelps, um, who she always is, you know, getting books from and reading. And she goes home and uh, the, the there's people there that are, it's uh, Mrs. Honey and this inspector that for the school to, to, see or to see why Matilda hasn't been in school. Uh, so they decided to put her into this school called Crunchum Hall. And that is uh, Matilda's dad is, you know, angry with the situation because he gets a fine. So he takes it out on Matilda by calling the Mrs. Trunchbull, who is the headmistress and tells her that Matilda is this little brat and warns her about it. And so Matilda punishes him by going and dyeing his hair green. And so she goes to school for the first time. She gets there too early. Mrs. Phelps sees her and they go and share a little moment. Matilda starts telling her the story about this escapologist and acrobat that are in love. And then Matilda meets her friend Lavender, who is also having her first day. And the kids get, those two girls get a warning song about how the school is to be um, dealt, how they should be dealt with in the school, et cetera, et cetera, and what to expect. And Matilda is now, and Matilda and Lavender making it 
to Mrs. Honey's class where they have their first day of school. And Matilda is supposed to take to polish off some some um, problems that were left on the board from the adult class from the night before. And she actually solves all the problems and continues to solve even more of them. Mrs. Honey tries to get uh, Matilda bumped up to another class because she's so smart. But Mrs. Trunchbull says, you know, she's not. She's a brat and she warns Mrs. Honey about her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then... And then Matilda is at home and she is um, listening to her dad's talk about how he's selling these cars to these big guys. And then Matilda goes back to school. She's, uh, she's standing up for like the little guys at school. Uh, Bruce, who is this one kid in her class, steals Mrs. Trunchbull's cake, and she punishes him by making him eat the entire cake, and he does so, which just makes Mrs. Trunchbull mad, so she takes him to the chokey, which, um, you know, she just, she hadn't said before, and Matilda stands up for him again, and, uh, and then... Matilda keeps telling the story about the acrobat and the escapologist and how they're in love and they decide they they're trying to have a baby, but they can't. And they do this one final act and they prepare to do it. And it's supposed to be the most dangerous act in the world. And basically they can't do it. So they try to cancel it because the woman's, uh, the acrobat's pregnant. And so they cancel it and everybody's happy about it except for the step sister of the escapologist. And she basically uh she basically forces them to do it. The woman falls and breaks all of her bones and dies giving birth to the little girl. And the escapologist is heartbroken and asks the step aunt to move in to help take care of her. And he winds up dead, which she she ends up in the care of the step aunt who treats her like uh, horribly. So back to the real world, we find that Matilda- actually the, that whole sequence <laughs> I thought was kind of funny when. Uh... You know, when she's telling the story to the librarian. Oh, yeah. And she takes and it so like, seriously. And, you know, she's like, so this is where we get the happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, no, it takes a dark turn. I'm like, you know what? This would be the difference between Parker and I creating this story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if it were me, she would not have failed. Um he would have swung the fireworks in into his, I guess, stepsister's area, uh-huh. and it, it would have killed her, and then they would have been fine, had the baby, lived happily ever after. But yeah. you know, Par- Parker would have been the one that created this dark turn, just like Matilda did. Yep, you would definitely uh, miss, be Mrs. Phelps, and I would be Matilda, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that, 
it made me think of that. I was like, yeah, that's definitely B. Parker. <laughs> yeah, I'm the original Grim Fairy Tales, and you're the Disney version. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we got Matilda. She's standing up. Uh, they wind up. Uh, she, Miss Trunchbull, winds up getting mad at all the kids, so she sends them all out to, to run. You know, do, uh, oh, what's that word? Like drills and stuff in the rain, uh, the pouring rain. She's getting angry, and uh, so Matilda uses her telekinetic powers for the first time, and you know, pretty much takes it out on Mrs. Trunchbull, uh, throws a cup and like makes her run, run off and everything uh, in frustration. She shows Miss Honey that, you know, it was her. Um, oh, there was a newt. The newt, sorry, the newt went down into her knickers and she runs off to get the newt out of her pants. And then she, Matilda shows Miss Honey that she can actually move the cup. Uh, which Miss Honey is like, you know, amazed by it. And she shows her, you know, her house. And that's when uh, Matilda realizes that Miss Honey is actually the little girl from the acrobat. And she tells the story that she's been telling is, you know, a real story. And she, she, so, got, let me stop you real quick. Yeah. Was, was that the way it played out in the original film in 96? No, no, there was so, no story so, about Matilda's, like, it, it does have her talk about her dad, Agnes, but it does not tell the story about, like, what he did or anything like that. Um, all right, so I'm curious, at what point did you connect or did you realize that Matilda's story was actually real life? I noticed it before... The part that it showed Emma Thompson. Um, for some reason, I just had a feeling that it was somehow tied to at least like an analogy. I didn't think it was going to be real life. I thought it was going to be something, some kind of analogy that she was going through. I thought it was going to somehow play out to like her life. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't realize that it was going to be Miss Honey until I saw. Emma Thompson playing the stepsister and then I connected everything that was the um, immediate time that I knew that it was everything was going to be connected to that somehow but um yeah what about you yeah I mean I was kind of in the same boat where I felt like her real life experiences were, were driving the story mm -hmm. but I definitely didn't connect it to like a real life story, especially with, with Miss Honey. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely thought the stepsister in the, I didn't think the stepsister was Miss Trumbull, but I thought it was a representation of her. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, the, I thought the escapologist and the acrobat were like her ideal parents that she was telling Miss Phelps that she had. I thought that was yeah. like some kind of projection that she was putting on for that. But yeah, like I was like you, I didn't think that it was an actual, that it was actually her. Yeah, so, I didn't realize it until it was more or less revealed. And I'm like, holy cow, that's cool. The, the way they kind of brought that all together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I saw, when I saw that she was like talking about, I think when I talk about when she was talking about the contract and like 
making her like that was when they like when they actually died i figured that it was something to do with miss honey because i did know that just because i guess from knowing the original film and knowing how miss honey and miss trunchbull were related um i knew that that would that was a, a that's a big part of the story so i knew that somehow that had to come into play so I was also looking out for that. So I also had that bit of information. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, that probably yeah. had a lot to, yeah, get, to me. I guess for me, I was just kind of like, for most of the movie, I'm like, what is Miss Honey's story? Yeah. Why, why is she teaching there? Mm-hmm. Why is she under Miss Trunchbull's spell, per se? Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, when when that part was revealed, I mean, it all made perfect sense. Yeah, uh, and in the original film, like she's like this sweet teacher that you know they're sitting there, and you're you're having the same wondering, like why is she working for for you know Miss Trunchbull for so long? But then it's revealed a lot earlier. I feel like in the the scheme of things that she's you know, Miss Trunchbull's niece by adoption and her parents died, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't say, like, it doesn't really go into, like, her full backstory like it does in this one. Like, it doesn't tell her parents how her parents died and it, all of that. Um, but, yeah. Um, so we find that story out. So Matilda's like, all right, time to get out, you know, really seek revenge on Miss Trunchbull. She goes and she blows up uh, this thing called Chokey, which is like this, basically like this little small box where it's got like things poking in. It's like a homemade Iron Maiden type thing. Uh, And she explodes that and Miss Trunchbull gets angry and destroys the toy or the playground equipment at school. And that's when... uh, she makes all of Miss Honey's class go into, I think it's the cafeteria. And that's where she goes and she has um, a whole bunch of chokies made for all of the kids. And they start, uh, oh, well, first she has like this spelling bee and she tells the kid if they get the letters wrong, she's going to put them in chokey. And they all kind of revolt. When one kid, you know, misspells a word that's a tricky word, and they all start spelling words wrong on purpose, and say, and then that's when she reveals that she has enough chokies for all of them, and then Matilda uses her telekinetic powers to pretty much just take care of Miss Trunchbull and throws her out of the school by her hair uh, after freaking her out you know, pretty much pretending to be Matilda's dead father, who they suspect, you know, was killed by Mrs. Trunchbull. And Miss Trunchbull freaks out enough that she runs away. Miss Honey takes over the school and the kids rejoice. Um, after Miss Trunchbull runs away, Matilda's parents come by because they're about to run off to Spain because they are being chased by the mob because Mr. Wormwood has sold them some faulty cars and they are not too happy about it. So Miss Honey volunteers to take 
Matilda and adopt her, which the Wormwoods are happy to oblige, and everybody lives happily ever after. The end. So, since you just covered it, the they're towards the end. Do you think there was any deep meaning or importance of Matilda's dad referring to her as daughter and he even called her girl, she, her, um, you know, because throughout the whole, it's actually quite comical. She's, you know, he's always calling her boy and she always corrects him. Then you even have a moment at the end where Miss Honey's like, um, but she's a. <laughs> yeah, so, I think. I mean, there there could be. I think if you, I don't think, I don't think they wrote it necessarily for anything deeper than for the basic, you know, reason. Just a more of a reason for the Wormwoods to have a separation from their child. Um, but I think if you're wanting to look for it, you can definitely look at. I think if you're wanting to look at it as like a positive thing, um, just for you know the sake of like you know, things going on in society of today, I think you can look at it as, you know, like the child knows what they are and they're standing by it. And, you know, like, even if the parent doesn't agree with what they want their child to be, um, that the kid knows what they are and they're, they're firm with their identity. So I think that's a positive message that you can take from it. But I don't know. I don't think that they necessarily wrote that, uh, for that i'm not trying to take away credit for them because like i said i think they used it as a device to um basically just you know give them more of a reason as to why they you know don't want to have anything to do with their child um because they just basically like basically they're the basically matilda is the opposite of them in every way and that's just another way for her to be the opposite of what they want in a child uh, but her, I mean, just her being true to herself in general, um, sex included, you know, is just who Matilda is. So, you know, purposefully that part of it's very purposeful, but as far as like any kind of like analogy to anything specifically, I don't think they did that intentionally, but I think it's positive either way. Well, then I'll add my own analogy to it because, which uh, you know me, no matter what we watch, uh, I, I tend to kind of, I won't say overthink it because I think everybody can watch something and, and pull different things out, to, you know, and, and come up with different themes or, or messages that spoke to them. And the way I kind of viewed that whole sequence was, you know, she's already coming off a big moment of defeating Miss Trunchbull. I mean, you know, things are like moving towards that happy ending that she's always wanted. Yeah. And she knows that a, a different chapter could be starting. And of course, at this point, she doesn't exactly know what that next chapter is. Is it her going to Spain? Uh, is it her staying around and, and, and seeing where the school goes? Um, but I thought her calling her daughter and, you know, referring to her girl and her, I, I think gave her some validation. Yeah. And I also think it gave her closure to be able to move on to that next chapter and being yeah. able to stay with Miss Honey 
because you know she even did that that final act for her dad by getting yeah. the hat which was obviously was funny but in that situation she didn't owe them anything no amount of kindness um but she was also kind of mentored throughout the movie you know the whole two wrongs don't make a right uh you know it's all about kindness uh so like her final act towards i mean we can just call it what it is evil parents mm-hmm. um or evil in a lot of ways and now of course there's been other movies maybe in which you know it was even more extreme but uh it, it was definitely enough to where she didn't owe them any act of kindness as right. their as their final goodbyes but yet that's how she chose to approach it so i thought that was a a, a really big step with her because you got to remember she's just coming off of this revenge tour <laughs> well i think as... I, I think a big part of matilda's like philosophy in general and basically like what i kind of take away from this whole movie whole movie's message is you know sometimes it is eye for an eye you know what i mean and whether that's good or bad, you know, it's like treat people how you want to be treated, you know, and if someone's treating you bad, like you don't have to treat them good. Like there's like you, but you know, I think like, you know, every time that her father was bad to her for no reason, she was bad to him for that reason, you know, like she got her revenge. And I think when he, you know, kind of wasn't being selfish and wasn't like, you know, he, cause you know, he, he's a very, the Wormwoods are very, they're the kind of people that, you know, they care about that, how the world looks at them, you know? And so I think him, even though they don't like taking care of Matilda, I think just that the fact that they're, it is their daughter would be a reason for them to just be like, no, you can't have her. She's mine. But you know, like we don't love her, but at least she's mine. And so I think, I think Matilda saw him giving her up as an act of kindness. So I think she just, in that turn, returned it, you know, an act of kindness as well. Because, you know, she, I think he actually, in that moment, saw that that was something that would actually be the best for everybody in that situation, including, you know, Matilda, and decided to do it, you know, and that was the first good parenting thing they did the entire film uh as far as i could tell um but yeah um yeah i mean that's an excellent point because you know her her one act of kindness towards them was in response to their one act of kindness towards her right um because like you said that because i was the same way i was like i could almost see it going either way like they, they could just be completely mean about it and force her to go with them but on the other hand i was like they are all about money and one of the big key things was you know it's was like i'll pay for it all mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like you'll pay for it all so i was like maybe they will let her um so but yeah i'm glad it played out like it did yeah yeah and i mean even the fact that he because he even the way he said it at the end you know like well we are tied on space anyways. Like, you know, he was trying to make it sound like he was being selfish in his decision, but you can tell by the way that he was saying it, that he was actually put meaning behind his action in that. And that the actor that played, you know, Mr. Wormwood in that did 
a really good job of portraying that in that moment. Um, yeah. Um, so Jeff, what, what did you think about this movie, man? Let's hear it. Well, I'm going to say with, you know, starting off the new year, 2023, unfortunately, I don't necessarily think we got off to a good start. Um, but I'm going to say we got off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I had you worried there for a second, but <laughs> you did a little bit, honestly. <laughs> well, good. Uh, I, I I was blown away. And, and like I said, it's, it's one of those situations where I kind of went in, not with a lot of expectations. I think it worked in my favor, not being familiar with the original film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I vaguely remember Matilda like having like special unique powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really the only thing I really remembered. But I loved how, I don't know if the original movie did this, but as far as the, the musical film, I love how they built up to her using telekinesis. Yeah. Because it's like you suspected early on that she had it. But I mean, it was well into the movie before I guess she was first able to use it. So I love the build up to that. Cause I felt like if, if she'd used it really early on, I don't think the timing would have been as good. But I, I love I love it when a movie builds up to something as opposed to just kind of throwing it out there to you. Yeah. But the performances, oh my gosh, top to bottom, I was blown away. Uh, this new girl on the scene, Alicia Ware, holy cow. Um, I, I kind of briefly mentioned early on, if we don't see her in a lot more stuff, I would be shocked. I was blown away by her performance. It, it somewhat reminded me of, I can't remember if we've even mentioned this before. If we haven't, I know we've talked about it off podcast, but uh, Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie I Am Sam. Yeah. Um, it it kind of reminded me of that as far as just kind of a child actor that you, you hadn't really heard from and just totally blows you away. Yeah. Um, the fact that this was like her first major role, incredible. Obviously, Emma Thompson, you, you got what you expected from her and possibly even more. Uh, Lashana Lynch is Miss Honey. Um uh, I think Stephen Graham and Andrea Risenborough as Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. Excellent. Especially you mentioned the guy playing Mr. Wormwood. He was incredible. I mean, top to bottom, the the story, the performances, the music was great. Um, I mean, there's a number of songs. I just thought, wow, that's, I really like Naughty. Um, yeah. And and even, even the meaning behind that, which is kind of what you were hitting on earlier as far as almost kind of like an eye for an eye type deal. I love the message in a lot of the songs. Just all the kids, uh, the dancing, the musical numbers. Um, I, I, I enjoy musicals as well. But I feel like this is one of those movies. I would be worried about any individual that comes out and said, wow, that was horrible. Yeah. Like, like I get it if you're not into musicals, but I, I find it hard to believe that anybody would actually dislike this film. Uh, just the message behind it, the performances. Um, I, I definitely want to go back and watch like the '96 film, just to kind of compare and, uh, and and you know even kind of break down each each film and musical. I definitely want to see it on stage now, so I'm really hoping it'll especially after all the buzz on this, that it will it'll kind of go back on, on tour. So I'd love to see it on stage. 
But, uh, but yeah, I was just totally blown away. It's definitely one of those movies that I wanted to rewatch it right away. I'm like, man, they could easily do a series uh, on this story. I, I think it would be, I don't think they will, but I think it would be a really popular show. There's so much you could do with that setup that it, I think it would be a great show as well. Um, so I don't see, I guess, what we want to do out of five newts. How about that? All right. Out of five newts. Um, I'm kind of struggling. I've kind of gone back and forth between a four and a four and a half. But I remember some of the movies that I gave a four. And maybe it was too high for some of those movies. But based on movies I've given a four, I feel like I have to give this one a four and a half. Because I feel like I enjoyed this a lot more than some of the movies that I gave a four previously. Um, so this matches the highest score I've given um, all of our previous stuff. Uh, great. It was just great. It was a great recommendation by you. You knocked this one out of the park. It's a great way to start the new year. Totally impressed from, from all sides of it. I don't think there's anything else I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, we could go on and on, but there's a lot of deep stuff you, you could kind of dive into. But So what about you? Since, uh, like I said, you got a little bit more history with growing up with the original film. and So, like I said, I, I mean, I, I picked this before this had even been released um so i had no idea what to expect i just did it based on how much i love roald dahl's books and the original film in general so i didn't know what to expect you know and I, I love musicals and i love the movie so i was kind of i had a little bit kind of high expectations and they bet they exceeded a man. I was I'm like you, dude. I was blown away from top to bottom. These kids, dude, I don't know. Like, I've thought I've seen good kid actors and performers, but these kids, like, not just not just uh Matilda, but the kid that like think some of these kids could dance, man. Oh yeah, like crazy. Like they were the like the um they reminded me of like Missy Elliott videos, you know, where the kids are dancing. But like, these kids are just like the, the whole choreography in general is just amazing and everything. And you know, generally, like you don't get like musicals don't transform to film very well very often. You know, like it's it it's a very hard thing to do. It Hamilton, even Hamilton. You know, it's, it's, they, they just filmed the stage production. They didn't even, it wasn't like a film, you know what I mean? Like they didn't. So it's just, oh man, they did a great job. They did a great job. And like you said, the songs, the songs were just top notch and the performances like, the, so like you talked about, you know, the naughty song, but like some of these songs spoke to me <laughs> like like quiet quiet is probably my favorite song on it like it i cried like i cried both times that i watched that film and funny, funny thing is i actually thought of you when that song started to play yeah because i, I felt like 
I don't know. I, I, I can't even explain it. But I, when that came on, I was like, I was like that. That probably spoke to Parker on a on an insanely deep level. It, it, um, it did in just, more ways than you know. <laughs> like... just, just because of other conversations we've had, not even on the podcast. Yeah. And 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 not only you, I felt like that probably spoke to a ton of people that probably never thought they were understood. Yeah. As far as how their mind works, how busy their mind can get. And I was like, wow, that's a powerful, powerful song that you've not seen very many people try to tackle that that particular idea. Yeah. Um, uh it was it was very, very powerful especially in in the moment that it happened in the film as well for matilda um yeah it it got to me man and that and just the just some of the genius writing like in the um oh this i think it's called school song where they're where they're walking in and like the girl with the red beret who is another amazing actress like she was only in there for like 10 minutes total, I think. But every time she was on the screen, like she was just stealing, you know, stealing it. Like just great performances all around, dude. Like it, it blah, blah, blah. Anyways, um, when they were just going through the alphabet, you know, and like it was just cracking me up. And just like some of the the ways that they they use the letters um, with the way that like British people speak, like was just cracking me up, like, Instead of, you know, hell, they use the word like because they say L, you know, instead of hell, they use that for like the letter L and then the R like they because they say arsed, you know, instead of like they say arsed and stuff like that. Like it was just just so funny. And then when they say like Zed, because they use they say Z instead of Z, you know, um, just little things like that, like was just. I always love wordplay like that anyways so yeah just top to bottom man this was great and i i have there's not very many times that i can that i want to give things a perfect score but i'm actually gonna do it this time man because there's no there's absolutely no reason for me to not give this a perfect score i enjoyed this this is one of the few films that we've watched that i've immediately watched again you know like from from the moment that it ended i was like like you i'm ready to watch it again and i've i will watch this movie multiple times i will listen to the i've already listened to the soundtrack on spotify you know like i'm gonna give it five notes dude i'm gonna do it um hold up there's, there's you're saying right there. now you're giving a perfect score i'm gonna give my first perfect score our um, first i'm ever. gonna do it I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's just the moment that I'm feeling it or not. But yeah, I, I was struggling between a four and a half and a five. And I'm like, if he's struggling between a four and a four and a four and a half, I, and I'm struggling between a four and a half and a five. I'm going to at least, I got to go the, uh, I got to go and give it a perfect score, man, because there's nothing like there's every song was enjoyable. There was not, there's not much that I, didn't enjoy like i have a really hard time not picking my phone up and that's really kind of how i judge things you know and I, the way this movie is paced even though it's two hours long i i was just 
glued to the TV both times I watched it. You know, I watched it two and a half times. And the only reason I watched it half was because, you know, I had to start getting ready for uh, a New Year's thing last night. So, um, yeah, like it. I, I, I love this movie, man. And like you said, I, I would like to go see it on stage. Um, I like it. I like it more than I like the original movie, man. And it, it just did it. It just did it great. And I still love the original film. You know, they're two separate things to me. But this was great. I had a blast. Uh, I had a blast talking about it. Like you said, I want to watch it again already, uh, and I probably will. But yeah, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to see if if Steph will watch it. Um, she, I mean, she likes musicals too. Now she's it's harder to get her to watch more of a, uh, I guess what would be classified as a kid movie. Yeah. Um, even though there's a lot of them that once I get her to watch it, she really likes it. But um, I want to say, I think she would really like it. Uh, or she might think some of it's just too over the top silly, but I, I think it all just worked excellent. And I have no problem with your perfect score. I think out of everything we've done so far, this would be the one that's deserving um because yeah i'm about like you man i just i smile from start to finish yeah uh, it was just an enjoyable ride I and was... i mean even the the last song like the, <laughs> the original song um the one was it called like holding your hand or something like yeah. that um still holding my hand that is one of the best original songs that was added to a movie that you know i think i've ever heard you know it that one got to me. That one was emotional, honestly, you know? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I love this, man. I love this film. Um, it's great from top to bottom. Uh, so, yeah, that I, gives us a 4.75, which is definitely our highest film so far. Um, yeah. Be hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if, if that will ever be topped. <laughs> it, it can definitely. It's, I think it's possible. Um, I think there's a possibility. Well, that, I mean, obviously, there's only one scenario that will top it. And that's if yeah. we both give a movie uh, a perfect score. And so it's possible, but we'll have to see how long it takes for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this was this was never released in the U.S. to theaters, was it? Uh, I don't think so no i think um it just had a, a run in the uk right now uh which is where it's going i don't think it's the i think uk is the only country right now where it's not streaming on netflix yeah and um, I, and i don't know how all that works and what determines but man i'm just i was just sitting there thinking i was like man if this would have been released in the u.s theaters around christmas yeah Holy cow, I felt like it would have done incredible. Now, I would like to see this on the big screen. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know how the financial, you know, financials work as far as profitability, you know, because I mean, obviously in the last few years, you're starting to see a lot of movies skip the whole theater route and go straight to streaming. So I don't know how profitable movies are anymore going to theaters. But man, I just feel like this one, because you know especially when you release a really good family flick around Christmas time. Yeah. It normally always does well. And I think this one would have done so, so well. I don't know if there's plans for it to ever go to us theaters. Um, I was trying to look at that earlier. I'm not really finding anything. Dude, we should have gone to England. Cause I think today 
they released a like sing along uh, oh, version. Wow. <laughs> that would be cool. That would have been fun for sure. Uh, we we probably would have been the only two dudes uh, at the at the movie sing along top of our lungs, you know, <laughs> th- thirty five and up. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, where are y'all's kids? Man, we got no kids. Screw that. <laughs> right. I I would totally do it. I'm totally down. Absolutely. Um, so Jeff, uh, did you do you got anything to uh for next week? You got something picked up? Actually, I do not. Um I'm still going through through I know I mentioned several on our last podcast. Um I, I'm still wanting to carefully pick my next one, especially after how great this one was. <laughs> so, um, but I, we'll, we'll have that information. We'll post it on our Facebook page here the next day or so. Right. Unless, unless you've already got one you want to set up and mine can be for the following week. No, we can pick it. Uh, you can pick it as long as we get it. In the next few days, we'll get that on there because we're. I'm actually not going to edit this one very much, this podcast, because I'm going to throw this one up tonight. So, <laughs> so Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so what kind of question you got for me this week? You got anything weird or anything crazy? I mean, not weird and crazy. It's a pretty popular kind of little cheesy debate question, but, um, hot dog. Is it a sandwich or not? I consider it a sandwich. I mean, like. If that one, that one's not, you're not going to get me heated too much on that question because I can definitely see how it's not. But the way I feel about it is, is the, the bun is very hoagie shaped and hoagies are sandwiches. So that's, that's my opinion. Um, if I would have, if I had sausage on, a, you know, a hoagie, that would still be a sandwich. It's just a different form of it. But yeah, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, you're totally wrong on this one. Um, <laughs> hot dog is not a sandwich. If if you go to any restaurant and say, hey, can I see a list of your sandwiches? You're never, ever going to see hot dog on that list because it's not a sandwich. But well, where would you see hot dog? What would you put hot dog under? I mean, usually hot dog is just like, it's a specialty item. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of... Just like a cheeseburger, it's, it's not a sandwich. It's a burger. A hot dog's a hot dog. There's always going to be certain things that don't fall into the a category that maybe it has similarities with because it's just its own thing. It's just the way our culture created it. Um, again, I, I think maybe a cheeseburger is closer to a sandwich than a hot dog because you might see a cheeseburger listed under sandwiches at some restaurants, but you'll never see a hot dog listed as a sandwich. That's just the way I see it. I love a good hot dog, but uh, I'm either in the mood for a hot dog or I'm in the mood for the sandwich. They're not, <laughs> they're they're different. It's like I call it like a life audible. You know, there's always things that's going to deviate from the original or the expected, and a hot dog just deviates. It's just although it. It checks off a lot of boxes for the sandwich. It just doesn't make it a sandwich. (laughs) What is it? Uh, All thumbs are are fingers, but not all fingers are thumbs. Let me ask uh, you. Let me ask you this. Let me ask. So exactly like not all sandwiches are hot dogs, but all hot dogs are sandwiches. No, 
Yeah, that's, you just you just yeah. proved the exact analogy. You just said it right there. So let me ask you this: Is chili a stew or a soup? I mean, I guess I would say soup, just because, and I, I think that varies from what part of the country you live in. <laughs> because just from where I've grown up, it's, you don't see stew used a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, and again, I go back to a restaurant. Can I see a list of your stews? You're not going to see chili listed. You're going to see chili listed <laughs> under soups. <laughs> but usually it's under soups and stews. So <coughs> it's not really, under, it's not going to be defined under either one. I feel like they exactly. usually have those. And that's why I think it depends on what part of the country you're in, because like restaurants down here, that I rarely, if any time, see stew listed. Um, yeah. That's usually like something you make at home or, uh, I mean, I'm sure restaurants have it, but. Uh, it might be listed under soups, but I rarely see a menu that actually has a section called stews. Um, <laughs> I guess in the South, they just considered everything a soup of some sort. If it just if it has some kind of liquid base, it's, it's just a soup. Speaking of chili, do you like chili on your burger? Yeah, I, I don't I like think that chili gets... on anything. I put chili on my omelet, chili on my ice cream, chili on my waffle. I mean, that's a little weird, but still, uh, <laughs> I've never thought the whole idea of chili on a burger gets enough love because I I like chili on a burger more than I do a hot dog. Uh, now, I like I, both. now, don't get me wrong. I love chili on my hot dog. Yeah. But I really like it on, I don't get it on my burger a whole lot just because a lot of restaurants just don't offer it or don't they don't do it. You like eggs um, on your burger? I've started doing that in the last year or two and and love it. Yeah, big fan so of that. Big fan of that. A, a fried egg on a burger is is really good. Yeah, it is. It really is. I, I think I saw it listed on a restaurant one time. I talked to a couple people that said, "Oh man, it's really good." I think I did it at home before I tried it at a restaurant. Yeah. And um, so yeah, solid indeed. Now I've not tried chili and egg on a burger. Altogether, I don't think I've done that either. That would be pretty. That would probably be pretty good, honestly. I would probably love that, and some queso as well, and some jalapenos. That sounds. That sounds like uh, my kind of party. And here I was thinking I wasn't hungry at all, and here we go. Yeah, now I'm hungry. <laughs> so, so do we do a dude and dud of the week? We do, we do. We need to do that. Who is uh your dude or dude of the week? Man, that's that's a very good question. Um you know, screw it. I'm just gonna go the obvious. My dude is Matilda slash Alicia Weir. I mean, I don't know if there's much we can say that we haven't already discussed, but the performance A plus, the character A plus. Everything she represented, the way she pulled it off in the film, uh, it kind of reminded me every revolution usually starts with one person's bravery. Mm-hmm. One person sticking up for the others, stare sphere down the eyes, and that inspires hope and bravery for others. And you saw that come together. You mentioned in your recap 
during uh, Miss Trunchbull's little spelling test mm-hmm. where each child stood up and said, well, I'm going to, I just spelled a word wrong too. And they, they just, every single one of them. And of course, that's when they were thinking that there was only one uh, chokey. So it's like, you can't throw us all in there. And that's when you're like, oh yeah, watch this. But still, that was a big moment because mm-hmm. that's when, and you started to, sh- uh, sorry, slowly see it before that, the impact that Matilda's bravery and just her, her courage was having on other people. Um, and then that's when it really all came together. And that's when you truly knew, hey, this is a revolution. Yeah. So due to the week by far, Matilda and the actress Alicia that played her, man, just incredible from all facets. So what you got for us? I got a due to the week as well, man. I mean, we can't go, we can't give a, this movie a dud. Everything was perfect about it. Everybody was perfect. I mean, even... Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull was perfect, and Mr. and Mrs. Woodward were perfect. Like, even as awful characters as they were, they did such a great job that I, I loved them as much as I hated the characters. Um, so I'm going to go with the dude of the week, uh, and I'm going to give Mrs. Phelps um, a dude of the week because, you know, she she really, like, helped inspire Matilda to be a lot of who she was, you know, like she was the first person that really extended a helpful hand to Matilda. Um, and she was just a fun character. And she's an addition to the um, the film because in the original film, Matilda walked to a library and, um, you know, basically like found out about a library from the librarian, but the librarian didn't really, you know, didn't really have that much of a relationship with Matilda other than just like, you know, giving her books, but they had a lot more relationship in this one. And she was a traveling, you know, in a traveling library and everything. So that was kind of neat. Um, But um, yeah, Mrs. Phelps is my dude of the week. Yeah. Great character. And, and, And you look at it and she played such a vital role in, I think Matilda coping with her current life situation. Mm-hmm. she provided that outlet. And even though Matilda wasn't comfortable, like honestly sharing with yeah. her, you know, what she was going through and, and what her life actually entailed, she still provided that outlet, Yeah, um, you know, through books and just through conversation and to let her know there is kind people out there. Yeah. Um, that, that she wasn't just necessarily trapped in her own little world, that there was a world out there with kind of people. And of course, you know, that, that eventually led her getting to the school. She was able to see that through Miss Honey as well. That first hug she gave Miss Honey. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the last one, <laughs> I don't, man, I don't know what it was, but man, it was, those were some emotional scenes for me, but, um, but yeah, uh, the librarian, uh, interesting that, that that wasn't used in the original film, but, but glad that they used it in this version. Yeah, like I said, um, the original film is a lot, probably a lot darker, because um, it's a lot. It shows actually Matilda actually has a brother in in the film, and like he, you know, everybody just kind of picks on her and rags on her the whole film, and like like I said, it it shows a lot more of her home life and her being treated um, poorly, and like what kind of like shows her like getting treated bad, and Miss Honey is like the first one that's actually sweet to her um 
And it kind of just shows like how it pushes her to her limits, you know, more than anything. Uh, so I, I don't know, but this one's this one does a lot better, like the way that it uses the music to kind of show Matilda's internal monologue as well. Like it, it I don't want to say you're going to be disappointed, um, but, you know, keep in mind that it's two totally different things uh, going oh, yeah. into it. Uh, but this is definitely uh, I I don't I would say I prefer this version of it for sure. Um, I still love the other one, but this one's by far my favorite as far as like if I had to pick one to watch, I would pick this one as much as I love Danny DeVito and, uh, you know, Mara Wilson as Matilda and all of that is just ingrained into my memory. Like this one was just as an adult, probably more enjoyable, you know, for me. Um, but yeah, Jeff, you yeah, got any? Was... Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it was one of those where, you know, going into it, you're, I'm kind of get a feel for the movie. I'm like, all right, how how dark is this movie going to be? How silly is it going to be? How are they going to tiptoe that line? Uh, because you know, there's a scene where Matilda's telling the other kids, those things don't really happen. That's just a bigger kid is trying to scare you. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if, if that's what it truly was. But then when the scene where Miss Trunchbull takes the girl by the ponytail and starts slinging her around, I'm like, I was kind of taken back. I'm like, oh my gosh, that yeah. is like, that is like over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually a scene in the original film too. So okay, and then she slings her, mm-hmm. so it kind of has a silly element. But then you're like, all right, does she die? Mm-hmm. But then the boy checks on her, and she's alive. She gives a thumbs up. So <laughs> yeah. I, like, I kind of like the way they kind of tiptoe, like they. They kind of make it a gray, I guess, you know, yeah. between they being a little dark, but but not so dark that it kind of loses the silly comedic side of it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of that has to do with just Roald Dahl in general. Like, I mean, like that's kind of his style, you know what I mean? Like that whimsical, dark, like he it's like part part R.L. Stein, part Dr. Seuss, you know what I mean? Like it like it's kind of like toes that line between magical and whimsical and very very dark and real you know and like morbid uh because i mean like the you know the kids in and willy wonka and the chocolate fat or charlie and the chocolate factory you know they're getting sucked up into pipes and going into like incinerators and <laughs> getting turned you know into miniature like tiny little versions of themselves and etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those films that, like, parents with, like, young kids, I mean, you probably definitely want to watch it first. I mean, because obviously you're going to know your child better than anybody else because I, I can see, like, some younger kids getting so invested and emotional over how mean Miss Trunchbull is and, yeah. and just some of the evil things that are happening to, you know, Matilda and some of the other kids. So, um, you know, if you're a listener out there and you got, like, really young kids, give it a watch first just to kind of gauge your own child's emotions and, and how I guess involved they get into movie characters. Uh, because I mean, it's like, there was many times where I just wanted to reach through the phone and just <laughs> choke this woman out or, or give Matilda a hug. I mean, it's, you get, you get sucked in. It's, it's, it's an emotional ride, but I'm actually so going to give the opposite advice here. I'm going to say, um, 
you know, put this on for your infant in their playpen, like on their tablet. Uh, start them out young with this film, you know. Uh, teach them that revenge is, you know, sometimes it's okay to be a little bit naughty. Um, I'm, I'm... <laughs> basically build up that entertainment immunity early. <laughs> right, right, right. You want them to, you want them to go in there fearless, you know, in preschool. You don't, you don't want them taking any crap from anybody. There you go. <laughs> Work on that telekinesis. Exactly. How else are they gonna learn? Exactly. Um, build that. Build that. That third eye, strong early on. Uh, Jeff, you got anything else before we uh, get out of here tonight? I just hope everybody had a great holiday season. Um, I just hope everybody goes into the new year feeling refreshed and just motivated to just tackle new challenges and goals. Uh, I don't personally do all the whole like New Year's resolutions. I definitely go into it. You know, with it's almost like I don't know if anybody else is like me, but like during the holiday season, I just like put everything else on hold. I just sit back, ride the holiday season, and then once that's over, then I start thinking about that kind of stuff. Uh, but 2022, uh, in a lot of ways, was challenging, but in a lot of ways, it was great. I really look forward to 2023, doing more movies or shows. So I'm excited about that. So, yeah, what about you? Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I hope everybody had a safe and uh, fun New Year's Eve, and everybody you know is doing well. Um, yeah, thank you so much for you know sticking it out for the end of 2022 with us, and we hope that you know you stick around for the whole 2023 and beyond. We really appreciate you. Um, thank you so much for you know listening, and thank you, Jeff, for so much for being here. Uh, if you have anything that you would like to share with us, you can uh, email us at streamingwithtwodudes at, or at gmail.com or you can join our Streaming With Two Dudes Facebook group. Just request to join us on there and we will accept you. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can give us five stars on whatever you're listening to. Subscribe to us. Uh, give us a rating. Review us. Um, you know, Tell friends about us, family. You know, If you know somebody that would be interested sharing us is definitely a good way to help us uh links to our socials and our patreon are in the show notes thanks again and remember not every new year's resolution has to be for good some of them can be for evil and revenge it's out